Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Mertice Badola, the owner and founding director of Gallery Mertice, an emerging blue chip gallery and art advisory specializing in 20th and 21st century American art with a focus on primary and secondary works created by African American artists. Mertice possesses over 30 years of experience as a curator, gallerist, and art consultant. She provides professional curatorial services lectures, and educational programming to corporate, civic, and arts organizations. Established in 2006, the mission of Gallery Mertice is to utilize the visual arts to raise awareness for artists who deserve recognition for their contributions in artistically portraying our cultural, social, historical, and political landscapes, and to recognize art movements that pave the way for freedom of artistic expression. In September of 2022, she collaborated with Christie's New York to bring diversity and equity to the art world. The relationship was highlighted in the New York Times article titled, Christie's in a Baltimore Gallery to Sell Work by Black Artists, and an Artnet news editorial titled, A Black-Owned Baltimore Gallery Aims to Change the Game for Partnering Directly with Christie's. In 2020, She also gained national press in the New York Times article and the self-authored article, Why My Blackness is Not a Threat to Your Whiteness, for Cultured Magazine in July. She has had several board appointments and a professional member with prestigious art organizations. Please visit CerebralWomen.com to read her expanded bio. Enjoy this episode featuring Baltimore-based gallerist Mertice Badola. Mertice, welcome to my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Oh, thank you, Phyllis. I'm honored to be joining you. Thank you. When in your life did you recognize your love of the visual arts? My love for the arts came very early in my life. My father was an art collector, so I've grown up surrounded by original works of art. My mother, who was not an artist by profession, was artistically inclined, although she she would really just sketch, you know, like the neighbor's dog and trees and things like that. But I realized as an adult, and of course, um, as my role in the arts grew, how really talented she was. And uh, actually, she gave me a painting a couple of years ago as a gift. So she still has her artistic talent, you know, which she kind of keeps to herself and perhaps should share with the world. But really, it was influenced by, you know, this creative environment that I grew up in. Uh, I think sadly, and equally important was 
growing up in Chicago, um, surrounded by so many wonderful museums. And at early part of my life, and up until the point I was 12, we lived very close to the DuSable Museum. I actually would walk as a child to many museums and spend the days there, you know. And so I know it was a combination of that environment and my home environment that really sparked my love and interest for art. At what age did you decide to study art? Well, I didn't study art formally until my adult years. And it came after I started working as consultant with artists. I was using my background in business and marketing uh, to help artists create what was back then considered professional portfolios. I've been in the business over 30 years. So the technology that exists today in terms of promotion online, none of those things existed. And so um, I began by helping artists, you know, write their artist statements, biographies, resumes, a good friend of mine who really is the reason that I'm in this industry today started spreading the word that Mertice is representing artists. And I'm like, no, I'm just helping a few. But that was really the springboard for where I am today. And so in terms of my study for art, I took formal classes at University of Maryland, which is now Global Campus. And then in addition to that, I attended the curatorial program at the Maryland Institute College of Art, also known as MICA. What do you enjoy most about owning a gallery? I guess the freedom. The freedom to choose who I work with, the ability to bring to the forefront really creative artists, especially those who are African-American, although I don't represent solely African-American artists, but that is my area of specialization. And so to have the gallery uh, serve as a platform where their works can be shown and appreciated uncensored, and also to provide educational opportunities for clients to engage in terms of lectures and um, discussions around art really actually brings me joy. It really brings me a lot of joy. Art has enriched my life in ways that I could have never imagined. And certainly the engagement with the artists is an important part of that. How do you like to work with artists? I like being in a position and having the role of building and sustaining their careers that being through exhibitions within and outside of the gallery and now internationally. Also placing their works in the hands of, for the Black artists, Black families, who I believe it's important to do so that they live surrounded, as I did, around imagery that is positive and meaningful and thought-provoking and impactful and and in many ways validating, you know, our existence. So the other part of the joy of working with artists is certainly selling their work, knowing that those funds serve to support them and their families and whatever other wonderful endeavors that they want to embark on. So, you know, it's about economic empowerment. It's about, you know, equity 
in an industry that has not been so welcoming of Black artists and uh, and certainly Black gallerists. So the ability to sell their work and place their work in private hands and institutions also brings me great joy. And when did you decide to represent mid-career and established artists versus emerging? Well, I still work with emerging artists, but now the direction of the gallery is centered around mid-career to establish artists. And that in part has happened because the artists that we represent, we've been doing so for many years. And it's just a part of their growth in the industry where their careers are now, as opposed to when we first began working with them as emerging artists, it was not. And so they've grown into being now considered mid-career to establish artists. So that has come with the growth on by both parties, the artist and the gallery. And what type of relationship do you prefer to have with collectors? Well, with collectors, we serve in many capacities. We serve to bring them into the fold in terms of making them aware of the artist, certainly advising them as it relates to the aesthetic that they're drawn to and budget, which artists might be best suited for their collections. I also ask them where else to buy. You know, I consider being of service to my clients really important as I am of service to my artists. And so that means that the work that a collector or a client may acquire from me may not necessarily come from my stable of artists, but I build a relationship with them such that they will look to me for advice, knowing that it will be unbiased. Of course, there's some bias there because my artists are so great, right? But there may be another artist that's represented by another gallery that I believe is reputable and worthy of at least their attention. And so I will direct them elsewhere. And how do you work with curators? That role is really important. In working with curators, of course, I hope that I will be able to place the works of my artist in their collections. I also work with them in terms of loaning work and directing them to collectors or clients of ours who have acquired the work of one of our artists and they may want it for a an exhibition. I'm also called on curators because I operate not just in the primary market, but in the secondary market as well, meaning that I handle a lot of estates. And the works in those collections tend to be art that was created in the, you know, maybe late 19th century, early 20th century. And so as museums are leaning towards building collections that are more diverse and inclusive, I'm called on to help direct them to works that they could acquire to fill those voids now that they understand that Black art is part of the history of America. And so they're bringing those works into the fold. So those are some of the primary ways in which I work with collectors. Do you feel Black art can be defined? It's very nuanced, and I know that that can be sort of problematic because I don't want to, in my interpretation, say that this is the sole definition of Black art. But I believe that it is part of a cultural production that is informed by our traditions and our belief systems, that it's kind of synthesized in the iconography 
and vernacular of our Black experiences. So I think that, you know, it plays a very critical role in inspiring us, challenging us, interrogate and investigate who we are. And certainly it should uplift and encourage us to have cultural pride. So I, I know it just, it, I think it can be defined broadly and certainly differently by the artist experience. And I find the works that are most compelling are those that are through the artist's lens and telling their own personal stories about what it is to be Black. And um, of course, that can be defined in, in a million ways. And so with that, we put labels on things in our society. And perhaps that could be sort of a loose definition of what Black art is. Do you have an opinion on the role of the trustee, particularly the Black trustee? What's their role within the art institution and, and how can they help bring about change? Well, I would like to encourage trustees that sit on boards again harking back to the de facto system of discrimination that prevented black art from being included in collections uh, it was marginalized and devalued thought of as inferior to european art and so it was left out of the canon and so what i believe are some of the important roles that Black trustees can have is to influence the acquisition of Black art, to put forth funds to make sure that the museums can't say, well, we don't have the funding, so we can't do it. So to, you know, to fund the acquisitions of Black art, to donate to those institutions so those works become part of a permanent, the permanent collection to perhaps even endow because, you know, there is a lot of cost involved in the care of a collection. And so many museums take the position, well, we'll accept the work, but will you establish an endowment so that it could be cared for over, you know, its lifespan? And so I encourage uh, trustees to consider that as well. I would also encourage them to present to curators at these institutions you know, and bring to the forefront artists who have been marginalized and devalued, and that certainly defines Black artists, and present them because, you know, sometimes curators get so, they have tunnel vision, and they look to those artists who are very prominent, well-known, and highly recognized. And until someone says, hey, look, you know, perhaps consider this artist as someone who's worthy of your attention. Unless we have advocates on the inside, those things don't happen. So um, I believe that those are some of the important roles that um, trustees can have in helping to elevate Black art and bring it, you know, to the attention of the museum folks. How do you feel the Black lives matters movement will impact these art institutions on a long-term basis and what we need to do to make sure that that impact is long-lasting well certainly the black lives matter movement has had a an impact on 
the art industry. And I know that for a fact. And what it has done and what it has caused is, for me, a social impact investing where clients and new to my gallery and those who have been around for a long time are now, you know, very consciously aware of buying black art through a black gallery and also supporting white galleries who have had a long-term commitment to supporting black artists. When the unfortunate incident of George Floyd took place and it coincided with a article that was written in the New York Times about um, black gallerists and you know the challenges that we were facing. The culmination of those two things sparked an awareness for me, again, as a gallerist speaking from my position. And, you know, I got emails and phone calls for from many people who pledged their support. And I would say that probably 50% of those folks I never heard of, heard from again. Because, you know, we get caught up in the moment. And that's what I call, you know, a, a moment, right? But then there is the movement. That's why I love Black Lives Matter as a movement, meaning that it's not just a moment in which we feel empathy and, and, and want to, you know, give words to our support. The movement is that it's on the continuum, that that effort continues beyond that moment. And, and so that's what Black Lives Matter has, has done for me. It has sparked within the consciousness of those individuals the concern that they want to play a role in bringing equity and black empowerment and economic empowerment to a black establishment and knowing that it will benefit black artists you know keeping those black dollars within our community and you know a lot of my clients are not african american but they come with that same sensibility and commitment that is so important for our being able to to sustain you know the the, the artist careers and certainly my being able to sustain my gallery how do you feel collectors should support artists well, you know, that's that's another one of those multifaceted answers and, and questions because there are so many levels in which they could do it. Certainly from my position as a gallery to buy through the gallery because, you know, most of my artists work in their artistic careers. You know, this is full time for them. And so they want to be sheltered in that studio, researching, creating in whatever form that that results in and I serve on the business end of that and you know finding ways in which you know their art can be sold exhibited and so on so I always say to clients who pose these questions like support the infrastructure we are part of the art ecosystem that needs to be supported so that those dollars can be then trickle down to the artists and and all of those other folks that are involved in it you know we have a staff artists most of the artists i work with have studio assistants and so you know that's that's an important part of of our being able to sustain ourselves and remain relevant in this industry there are so many ways we can support them other than just buying the art absolutely several of my clients have 
establish residencies and they support artist residencies. And, you know, they, again, you know, donating the work of an artist to a museum is a way in which that artist is, is supported. It helps to build their career. It helps to bring recognition to them and their artistic practice. It's a way of validating who they are. And, you know, so just beyond the sale, there are so many things that we do to support the artist's careers. And certainly there are many things that collectors can do as well. So you mentioned earlier that you have had some success in the international markets. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. Well, um, currently we are exhibiting at the Venice Biennale. The title of the exhibition is the Afro-Futurist Manifesto, Blackness Reimagined. And eight of the artists that I represent are featured there. They are Tawny Chapman, Larry Cook, Morel Doucette, Galita Martin, Monica Ikegwu, R.V. Smith, <laughs> and Philandis Thames, and M. Scott Johnson. So the exhibition will be there on November 27th. That, I hope, is one of many opportunities that we will have abroad, certainly with uh, our participation in the Biennale. Many opportunities are coming forth, so we're excited to embark on those. Well, as we speak, which is September, on the 29th, we are part of Christie's auction. Six of the eight Venice artists are being featured there. So at the point that this uh, conversation airs, I hope we'll have celebrated the great success of that partnership. And then in this October, uh, we are going to be in New York at the print fair, which is the 25th that begins. And then in December, we are participating at Context Art Miami. So there's so many wonderful things going on with the gallery. We're extremely busy. And uh, we thank everyone who's supported us, you know, our, over our 30 year arc plus, <laughs> you know, up to this moment. It's, it's just been quite a journey. How do you start a relationship with an artist? Well, you know, we are one of few galleries. So, being introduced to artists is, it's, you know, never tough. And then we also have gained a, a good reputation in the industry. So we are sought after by many really great artists. So I learn of them by way of them contacting us. I also uh, look to the artists that I represent who often refer artists that they believe would be a good fit for the gallery. And then my clients also have influence in that way. So what I look for in the artist's work when making those, the final decision about whether or not an artist is brought into the fold, so to speak, is, you know, I look for a unique voice, their ability to tell stories in a profound way. I look for quality in the work and um, finish how well the work is finished, how well it's executed. And I also am interested in knowing, in terms of their storytelling, if they're able to take a particular theme or material and build upon that and and create a, a body of work around it, not one particular piece, but be able to carry a story throughout 10 to 15 pieces where I can draw, you know, a, a single thread and they're able to put all of this 
whatever that is, theme or material into context, historically, culturally, whatever drives them, socially, politically, whatever the impulse is. And for our artists, in terms of, you know, uh, going back just a moment to how we work with them, research is an important part of what we are all committed to. And I always steer them towards the writings of Black scholars. You know, scholarship plays such an important role in our ability to educate our clients about why the work, beyond its aesthetic beauty, is so important. Um, you know, I view the work as part of, you know, our historic archives, kind of a registry of who we are, who we were, and what we aspire to be. And so we take the production of the work very seriously here. And, um, you know, because we understand it has great impact, it will have its legacy, it will live beyond Mertice, it will live beyond the artist, right? And so we want the artist to be keenly aware of that, just hang on to that idea, that moment, that thought, and then put everything you have in each work of art that you create with that knowing. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's another way in which we, you know, have this beautiful conversation and relationship and, and partnership with, with our artists. We all often will help them with the research and, and guide them to the scholars that we believe will help to inform whatever concept, you know, that they are like grappling with, you know, what, what's keeping you up at night? And, oh, it's the idea behind this. Okay, well, look to the writing of this scholar. <laughs> and then they've answered it all for us. So go in that direction. So it's always this wonderful conversation when a new idea, you know, comes to, comes to mind. And on that note, what do you feel is the role of the artist? Well, I, I believe that it is to capture the essence of who they are, which they often able to then speak to who we are as a people, as a community. I see their work responding to their state of mind and their state of being Black. And so whether you're African-American or not, we want people to stand before the work and at the core of it, see the humanity. And so that I believe is one of the most important roles that the artist serves is to get at the core and the essence of our humanity to share their genius and lay it down in whatever medium that might be and then have us contemplate that, challenge us as it relates to how we live in the world. And, and that speaks again to why I believe that the art is, is so relevant. We work with collectors at all levels and really feel privileged to work with those who are just beginning, categorize them as our novice collectors. And they often come, you know, with the thought of simply, you know, just filling the wall with something on it. And then we have deeper conversations about what that should become in terms of imagery and storytelling in terms of relevance as it relates to their position in the world. And then when it comes to book, I'm a very bookish person. So I, I have a library that I often share with them. Again, this is why I always draw from Black scholarship as it defines who we are and 
and just the genius ideas and effort that they've put into this complex notion of art and and how it serves us and and in what varied capacity it can speak our truth. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I've learned a few things. Um, So this is our last question. How do you want to impact the art world now? Well, I want to be part of a radical transformation in the in the industry. I see my role as a gallerist, as someone who has strived to bring more equity and diversity and enact inclusion in this world of art that has not always been so welcoming of women artists and artists of color. It has a history of elevating the works of white male artists. And certainly um, the industry is very much a white male dominated industry. So I want to impact a segment if we have to be segmented as it relates to black art and I hope to elevate its importance and its presence and its acceptance, certainly its value, because I still believe that um, Black art is very much undervalued when we look at the, when we compare it to the white contemporaries. And so that's what I'd like to be known for, having played a role in that the acquisitions in terms of museums. Uh, We've been very successful in that realm and continue to put forth efforts to help our artists' works be placed in various institutions. So, you know, we're still, you know, as much as we've done, there is much more that needs to be done in terms of, you know, Black artists being under-recognized for reasons of race and class. And so I'm really striving to impact the industry in what I hope to be a very positive way. Well, thank you. You already have. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, (laughs) I'm really pleased that we had a chance to talk. I'm pleased and honored to have spent this time with you. And I thank you for the impact that you're having on the industry, allowing my voice to be heard and the many others who I've enjoyed on your podcast. So thank you for making me a part of that. My pleasure. And I enjoy it very much. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.